Welcome to episode 44 of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, where we get you and your loved ones impacted by disability the information needed to live a full and meaningful life. Now here's your host, Eric Gall. Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Eric Ball. Today, we are just going to jump right into it. So today's guest is Jocelyn Duffy. Jocelyn is a ghostwriter, communicator, and all-around super interesting person. So Jocelyn uh, will share her story on the podcast, but she has gone through many different challenges uh, in life um, and had a couple of near-death experiences that uh, really uh, set her back from where she was at in life. So she shares uh, those experiences, and we have some great conversations around resiliency. Jocelyn offers her insights on resiliency uh, and offers a couple of things that um, that you can try when when you're facing challenges yourself to, to be resilient. Uh, we also have a really good conversation around empathy and compassion and what the difference between those two things are. Uh, and we get into a conversation around compassionate support and how to be a compassionate supporter. We talk about a, a study that um, shares some good insights around being a compassionate supporter. And we talk about how to put compassion into practice. Jocelyn also offers a model of compassion, which I found quite helpful. So here we go. Here's Jocelyn. Hey, Jocelyn, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. Yeah, my pleasure. So um, happy to have you on today and excited to really have you share your story with our audience and to help them kind of see the world through the lens that that you've lived it and to share some elements of that journey and, and to talk about some really exciting uh insights and, and things that, that you've experienced and to dive into some great topics like compassion and, and empathy. So I just want to kind of hand you over the mic and let you tell tell your story and, and your journey and uh, and then we'll kind of jump off from there. So uh, yeah, so if you'd like to, I'll hand you over the mic and you can, you can take it away. Great, thank you. So yeah, if we're talking about empathy and compassion, I'd love to share with your audience how I came to the perspective I have on these on these values. Um, So my background has always been as a writer and communicator, initially at the heart of the financial sector. So I was writing national newsletters, uh, scripting broadcasts for presidents and CEOs, training financial advisors coast to coast, how to build stock portfolios. So very fortunate early on. Um, And then at 26, I was struck with a life threatening case of lupus. So it's almost as light as the life was kind of tapping on me on the shoulder, giving me a little nudge. And I was going, no, it's good. I'm happy. I'm happy. And then I got the mallet to the head (laughs) and went from training for a marathon, running as much as 26 kilometers in a single run um, and playing sports and networking and, and loving my work to being bedridden for the good part of two years with two to three half decent waking hours a day. I had the complication of a blood clot that landed me in hospital, um, nearly costing me my life. So I literally went from running and thriving in life to being barely able to walk and dealing with fatigue that was so debilitating that it felt like 200 pounds were sitting on my shoulders. And really just trying to you know, work through the shock and that massive shift in our lives. I know anyone has seen who's dealt with you know, unexpected 
adversity or trauma and pushing through with mental fortitude and trying to rehabilitate to get back to the life that I loved, though also accepting that that life could look different thereafter. So with my waking hours, I would take, you know, one step at a time, starting to walk again, run again, bike again, um, and get back into the world very slowly. It was not a quick process. So it took a lot of compassion to get there, Um, compassion for myself and also welcoming supporters in. And as I began to heal, um, a, a lot of my healing came through writing, through really crafting my story, because I think writing about ourselves and where we've been and what we've learned from it allows us to extract meaning and create meaning from our experiences. So my book was called Unshakable to the Core, which is still available on Amazon. And in writing that book, I shared with others the life principles that got me through, such as maximizing the moment. You know, How do you stay happy? How do you stay fulfilled and content when you have two to three half-decent waking hours a day and you're used to living 16-hour days doing everything possible? Um, And then I moved on from that book to write a second that was a compilation of short stories of people I met who were living their lives with real passion and purpose. And I wrote it as a fiction because I wanted to showcase the best in others, but also allow people to share their story who were hesitant. I had an agoraphobic woman who didn't really want people to know that it was her, but her story was so incredible. So it being a fiction allowed her to tell me freely everything that she had felt, everything that she had struggled with and overcome to go from being homebound in her bedroom and sometimes in her bedroom closet for five years to being out in the real world, crossing the street, getting on a bus. These were monumental moments for her. So that book from there, from sharing those stories and gifting them to the people I wrote about came the opportunity to write um, four memoirs or autobiographies. So my vocation as a ghostwriter, as a creative consultant, and now as a communication and contribution specialist for entrepreneurs, found me in the process of my healing. I'm now in my 15th and 16th book, and I'm supporting leaders around the world with their messages. I love just your story in in general, and there's so many things in there that that I want to dive into. Maybe if we could just kind of go back to that point where there was that drastic change in your life. So, you know, you went from being very active, playing provincial sports, um, you know, in a, in a very demanding career to only having two or three good hours or hours awake uh, in your day. So there's, you know, the, the physical change, which I can see, I can conceptual, conceptualize, but can you bring us into what was going through in, in your mind and internally um, throughout that time period? Yeah, and I think this is a natural progression for many people, is my initial instinct was to want to hold on to everything. I wanted to get back to my financial work. I was still working and I was literally hospitalized with a blood clot, got out of hospital and was doing work from my bed at home. <laughs> And just wanting to hold on to that and get back to it. And I mean, holding on to the desire to keep exercising was a good thing. I'm so glad that I had that um, ingrained in my lifestyle. I think that's huge for all of us to have that healthy, active lifestyle because we never know where life's going to take us. And that gives us a certain amount of strength, a certain amount of fortitude 
And when we're, we're struck with unexpected adversity, we have that knowingness of, I need to do whatever I can to be mobile, to go out in the outdoors and go for a walk and keep moving forward. So I had that mindset already. I knew if I only did one thing in the day, it was that. It was being active with other people. So I combined those two experiences to build my strength. And I think the important thing is to always be open to change. And it sounds like commonplace to say so, but if I hung on to wanting to be back in the financial sector, I would never be where I am today. And I absolutely love what I'm doing and I love the people I'm working with and it's incredible. I'm looking, I'm working with people who want to change the world on a really big scale for the better, who believe in human potential and who are doing their, their piece to support that and to bring it to life. So I think just accepting that, coming to the point of acceptance where, okay, I may not be back where I was. And if I'm listening to life, it didn't club me over the head so I can just turn around and go back to doing what I was doing. It clubbed me over the head so I could wake up and go, oh, there's something else I'm meant to be doing. So opening myself to that was huge and really embracing that. Now, not being said, I mean, this was two years of recovery and then some still getting back to full steam. So this was a slow, progressive journey, though, even though when I wasn't physically able to do things, I was still mentally fully alive. So I would lie in bed and envision everything that I would do when I was back at full physical capacity. That was my saving grace. I think being compassionate with ourselves means understanding that our best is going to be different in every day and week and month. And that accepting that we're giving our best is what really matters. It's always going to be different, but what matters is that we're giving it. So my best when I was lying in bed was envisioning all those things, you know, was sending my love out and giving love to myself and really spending time being introspective and understanding what's going on in my body and what does this mean and what can I do to support my healing? Mm. So it sounds like that time where you were in bed with, you know, your own thoughts, it was really processing that almost like a, a level of acceptance, just accepting the, the situation and, and the state that you were in and, and being comfortable with that. And then moving forward from there, is that, that's kind of what I'm getting from it. Is that what yeah, the experience is like? You're spot on. And it's what I actually, you're, you've just coined what I, what I love to call the idealist, ideal realist perspective. Um, because I, I think idealism is like, oh, well, I'll never get sick and I'll never, and no one in my family will ever be impacted by anything that will do them any harm. You know, I mean, that's great, but is it realistic? No. The realist says, I accept what is. And that ideal realist says, now I'm going to do everything possible to make this the best it can be to create meaning, to create joy, to create fulfillment. Yeah, I love that. And, and those waking hours, it sounds, you know, those two to three good hours that you described that you had per day. It sounds like you're very strategic around that and focused on exercise. So maybe taking those first steps and having that social component. Were, was that really, were those two things your, your main focus? And, um, if they were, what, I guess, what benefits do you feel you got from those? I think for, especially for those who are listening, who are spending so much time caring for others in the time that you do have, focus it on your passion. 
like first and foremost, that's everything. I actually began, in addition to writing, which was a, pa- a long time passion of mine, I began painting um, and I was selling my paintings for hundreds of dollars that I was re- doing when I was ill in those waking hours. I would get up and I was barely awake. So I wasn't consciously going, I'm going to put this color here, or this color there. Mm-hmm. It was almost like the painting was coming through me. And I so I painted and I exercised and I spent time with others. Those are my passions and writing, like it's creativity, it's growth, it's expansion. So whatever impassions you, in the time that you carve out for yourself, and please carve out that time, it's so important, that rejuvenating time, spend it on your passions. There may be, and they likely are different than what I did, but the important point thing is, is that you identify what your passions are and maximize those moments that you have to yourself by by dedicating them to your passion Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's so important right it it what it's what makes us unique as as people and being able to express ourselves in those ways um one of the things that stuck out to me as you were sharing your story was really around change and embracing change and the word that came through me or it came into my mind was resiliency because when you're when there's change happening around you or to you physically to to work through that i think that you need some element of resiliency could you maybe speak to that or do you have any thoughts on that oh absolutely um there there are several simple points that i can point to in terms of resilience you know what do we do when we're faced with these unexpected adversities or traumas or or a continuous challenge and and the biggest for me was compassion and small action so having compassion for yourself and understanding that even though you know where you want to get to that it's going to take small actions but every single one of those steps is important I couldn't go and just step out the door and run my 26 kilometers that I was running just a few months before. You know, I had to start with walking a few minutes at a time. And there's two experiences in my life where I've done this, where I've had to go go from running up mountains to learning to walk again due to illness. So it really is those small action steps, but understanding almost like seeing the big picture and the small action are the details. So you're understanding that every step is like it's like going up a staircase to your ultimate destination. But you have to take every step and every step matters to get you to where you want to be. So embrace that moment and and celebrate, you know, your ability to take that one step on that one day. But then also keep in mind that ultimate vision you know, where you know you can be, who you know you can be, what you know you can create in your world for yourself and those that you're taking care of. So just thinking through change and and resiliency and um, an example from, I guess, my my life and and, in relation to developmental disabilities. So, you know, my sister goes uh, and does uh, an exercise routine at a, a local gym and uh, there's an elevator that she has to take. So usually someone helps her with the elevator and uh, her transportation was running a little bit late and she's waiting uh, at the elevator. No one's there. There's no key in the elevator and she can't get to her class. Right. So then she has to figure out how to how to get 
the key to the elevator and she has to talk to a new person to do that. And, you know, she finally ends up figuring that out on her own, takes her a bunch of time, gets to the class, super frustrated. Right. So, um, I guess when, when people are, are going through even, you know, what many people might consider a simple change or a simple challenge, do you have any thoughts on how to either for that person to be resilient in that moment or even for a supporter to help coach that person through through that moment to help them be um open to the you know life that that happens to us yeah i think i think from what you're saying there's an element of flexibility in there Mm -hmm. um and having been someone who shared hospital rooms with people who are dying and and face two near-death experiences myself like we take ourselves way too seriously um you know having that light heart and allowing ourselves to be flexible and take a different path than expected is so important and i know that's difficult when you're working with someone who may think like well this is the way i have to do it um to really think like what you know making you know something enjoyable out of it well why don't we try this way because we know that we can decide that this is the exact path I'm getting taking to get to my point B. It's never going to work out that way. <laughs> Life doesn't work that way. Life is going to amuse us. You know, the universe, the world, God, however you term it, you know, there's an amusing component in there. Oh, well, you know, if you want to make, I think there's a quote that says, if you want to make uh, God laugh, tell him your plan, um, because we're always going to end up taking a different path. So I think it's important that we remain open to that and find simple ways to make it enjoyable. You know, if the exercise class didn't work out, well, can you improvise? Can you, you know, create your own class just on the spot and do something fun there and then? You know, we have to create our own rules. There's so many rules in society. And honestly, I'm about not creating a society of rebels, but if we can make our own rules, as long as they align with respecting ourselves and others, then let's do so. Right. Yeah. And there's a quote that um, resonates with me from Mike Tyson. Everyone has a plan till they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> right. Yeah. And life or, often. Or a mallet us, to the head. <laughs> yeah. Or a mallet to the head. Right. And life has a way of, of doing that to us once in a while to, to varying degrees of severity. Right. Yeah. So I think having that light heart and that flexibility is so important. And I know that sometimes if we're working with people who are very set on, well, I have to do it this way. I've always done it this way. There's a matter of like welcoming them into this world where it's like, why don't we try this? You you don't have to like it, but just try it and see, you know, try everything, anything once. It doesn't mean you have to do it twice. Right. Yeah. And I think that's great advice. Um, Something that I've been doing a lot of thinking around and um, I think struggled with a little bit is the idea of empathy and compassion as a supporter. So we've been talking a fair amount um, around the self-compassion piece, but maybe we can switch gears more into the compassion piece as a, as a supporter. So there's many listeners to the, to the podcast. Uh, they might be a, a parent that has a son or a daughter with a disability or a sibling or a, a supporter that, that works for a, an organization or directly for a person. So just to share a bit more around my, my struggle with it. So I think in the past, I've really taken a, as a as a family member, as a supporter to, to others, um, not even necessarily others with a disability, but just a supporter to others in, in general, I think as we all are to, you know, our friends and, and our family. 
is taking an empathetic stance and and with with that it's really feeling what other people are feeling and to some degree taking that on and um and that's felt really really heavy so which is tough um and really trying to switch more into a place of compassion which is really understanding the journey someone's going through the experience someone's going through um but not necessarily taking those emotions on. So I was wondering if you could talk to, a little bit to that and, and maybe your experience with it. And um, maybe and if you have any thoughts on how to how to be compassionate with others. I don't know if you might have an example around that. Sure, sure. And if, if I could share with your listeners, I actually have uh, a, another side to my work that I did um, after I was healing from lupus, which ties to empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. And I'll just clarify up front. For me, like empathy is, you know, feeling the pain of another and compassion is wanting to help alleviate that suffering, alleviate that pain. Mm-hmm. And after healing, um, I went into a very spiritual journey through my healing and really learned to incorporate that into a very, you know, pragmatic business grounded life perspective. But I became a Reiki master. For those who aren't familiar, Reiki is a form of healing energy. So essentially, I'm just I'm channeling this healing energy. But what I'm able to do with the, the clients I'm working with and have worked with was sense what was going on with them physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So I, I can empathize with you in terms of how you feel taking that on. But one thing you learn in becoming a Reiki master is how to stay in your own energy and your own strength and your own potential. Just as an example, I was working with clients, one who had witnessed his father's suicide and was trying to get past that. I was working with like multi-million dollar business owners who were deciding whether to sell their business, leave their marriage, what trying to determine what their life purpose was. People who had come from a very hard business background who were trying to become more heartfelt, more spiritual. So there was a lot of weight to the work, but I was able to stay in my own energy because I wanted to support those people in their healing. And I wanted to help share with them what I saw within them and and what they could do to heal past that. But also I knew that I could not do that without staying in my own strength um, and my own energy. So it was almost like being very aware of who I was. It, I, from an energetic visualization perspective, kind of what I did was you see this, like you see your favorite color surrounding you and it's almost like a permeable shield kind of. So the good energy can come in, but the bad energy, you can see it on the outside, but you don't take it on. So you can use a visualization like that to stay in your own. So you were looking for examples on how to be compassionate. And I think the best way to frame empathy and compassion is about perspective taking. So compassion involves seeing life through another's eyes versus empathy is more that walking in your shoes, in their shoes perspective. And there's actually psychological research that supports this. Um, Michael Pullen, um, who works at the University of New York at Buffalo, did a study in 2017 with his colleagues, and he differentiated between an imagine others perspective. So imagining what others see, their viewpoint in life and their understanding of life versus imagining yourself. So imagining yourself in their shoes. And their research found that imagining others not only decreased their stress, but increased the health and well-being 
of the caregiver, of the provider. So I think it's, it's almost like you're leaning in to be able to see life through someone's eyes, but you're not fully stepping in their shoes. And so you think, oh, okay, I can see how you see that. So I would understand how you feel angry or frustrated or hurt um, or, or joyful on the other end of the spectrum or happy or content uh, without taking that on. And I think self-awareness plays a great component in this as well, knowing who you are and being able to distinguish that is mine, that is my emotion, that is my energy versus that's not my emotion, that's not my energy. I used, grew up being very almost like an intuitive empath. So I would take on the emotions of others and I was never one to become angry or sad. And if I felt it, I went, what's this? And realized that it wasn't my energy and I had taken it on. So I think there's a great element of that self-awareness, but being conscious to what's mine and what have I taken on for someone else? Because we're not, we're not truly helping others when we're taking on what they have. The idea is to help them grow through that and heal through that. And even in my work as, as a ghostwriter, I'm helping people become self-aware and self-express. They're telling their entire stories. We're diving into the depths of their lives. People are sharing with me their decades worth of journal notes, their deepest, most inner thoughts. And I have to write that for them. So I am them, but I'm not taking on their emotions. I'm feeling what they're feeling without you know, internalizing it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. And I'm just thinking through it. How do I put that in a practice myself? Right. So my kind of evolution of my own, I guess, thought patterns has been to understand how others are feeling and to some degree, you know, take that on. Now I have the the understanding that, okay, taking on those emotions isn't beneficial to me or to that other person because now my emotional state isn't in a place where I can be my best to support that other person, especially if it's a, a negative emotion or, or something that's drawing my energy down. So I'm firm in that, um, that understanding, right? So now it's, okay, what about if I change my mindset? So I can take on that other person's perspective and I can try and look at the situation through, through their eyes without taking on the emotion. So I'm just trying to think through what's the, is there a, maybe a visual process or like, I really liked how you use that Reiki technique and that visualization component of having that color surrounding you as like a bubble so for me i don't know why just the color purple popped into my mind so i'm envisioning like this purple bubble around me and like the purple like the any you know positive energy will can flow through that to me and i can absorb that but if it's uh, a negative energy or red energy or whatever that was the color that came to mind it just kind of it can't permeate or it can't go through that bubble so maybe that is the maybe that is the visualization thing, yeah but and I'm not sure it, what, what thoughts do you have just from a very simple analogy perspective think about watching a movie when i was working with people in reiki i actually would see <laughs> and this is you kind of have to go to a more ethereal place to understand this but i could actually see what was going on with them and it flashed before my eyes like movie on a movie screen so I could see what was going on with them physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Think about when you're watching a movie. 
you know, like a drama or, you know, a romantic movie where you feel it, you know, you might tear up, you might laugh, but when it's over, you haven't taken that on. You're just like, wow, that was really good. And I learned from that. And and I think I'm better for having watched that because I saw a different perspective, mm-hmm. but you don't internalize it. Right. So you're there with it. And now you understand, you know, that it's, yes, it's just a character in the movie. But if you're working with a real person, same thing, you understand that person from a more deeper perspective and you're going forth with that greater understanding. Yeah, I, I love that. So I think I'm going to I'm going to walk away and, and, and try some of these things. And uh, our listeners might if they resonate with them, they might as, as well. Um, and I really like the idea of trying to visualize it as as a movie, because it, I think it. In a way, it removes you one step from that emotional component of it, but still being able to be compassionate and and support that that person. Yeah. And there's, there's such a dance there. And I've seen it because I've spent months of my adult life in hospital and there are doctors and nurses who are extremely compassionate and there are those who are not at all compassionate yet. I can understand where those who are not compassionate are coming from because imagine getting too attached to patients that you are losing, you know, who, who don't, who don't make it through their illness, you know, or their, or their trauma or their injury. That's a heavy weight. So I can understand where they're coming from, but there's a balance. You know, you can have that compassion and support your patients, you know, while still holding your own and doing the job that you have to do. So there is a there is a dance there and you can pull from that emotional side and you can also pull from that more pragmatic. I know what I have to do. I know what I have to do to keep moving forward and keep the people in my care moving forward. So I think for me, like there's four elements, but I can drill it down. I call it four P's. If you want to look at compassion, it's really about presence. So being fully in the moment with that person or those people, perspective taking, like we talked about seeing the world through their eyes without fully emotionally stepping into their shoes, patience, right? Being with them, you know, and, or being with yourself (laughs) because we, we know how draining it can be when you're supporting and supporting, supporting, giving, 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 you know, being patient with those you serve and and with yourself and then support for forward progress. Right. And again, compassion is small action. Every step counts, no matter how small the step. Mm, I love that. So the four P's presence, perspective, patience, and progress and moving forward. I love that. So I think that there's a lot of value in there in this conversation for me personally, because it's given me some, uh, I think it's helped me to further build that mental model around what really is compassion and, and how to practice it and some tools to, to live that and to, and to be that way that I'm going to try out. So I think that there's, those are in there for the listeners as well. And um, one other thing that I, I wanted to talk about with you, Jocelyn is around finding your voice because that's really what you're doing a lot of the time as a, as a ghostwriter and in, in helping people to, to share their stories. So what can you share with us around finding your voice or helping other people to find their voice? Incidentally, it's not so much different than what we just talked about. Presence, perspective, taking patience and progress. For me, voice is it's, it's our gifts, our passions and knowledge and perspective contributed in a way that creates empathy, growth, and ease of life for others. That's the way I define voice. So essentially what that means, it's it's how we're processing 
and disseminating our view on life because we each have this uniquely valuable perspective on reality. And the value in contributing that is that we all grow from it, right? Without learning from each other, we just stay in our own tunnel. So I describe it almost like we're, it's like we're each driving in tunnels and for each new perspective that we gain from others, it's like a little light hole has come in the side of the tunnel. And eventually those sides may become fully transparent when we open ourselves to an exponential number of perspectives. So I think finding our own voice, one analogy I like to use is like a seashell and listening into a giant seashell. And you know, the old adage has that it's the sound of the ocean you hear. What it really is, is the external environment resonating in that seashell. That's what your voice is. So to find that, it's really like listening to the seashell. You have to listen inside yourself. You have to self-observe and understand, how am I seeing the world? You know, we all have this unique perspective based on our composite of experiences. No one has the experiences that you have, Eric. No one has the experiences that anyone listening has. That unique composite is yours, which has framed your perspective. That's your value. That's that's our greatest contribution is to share with others, hey, here's how I see this and, and help others develop that empathy and that compassion through learning about our perspective. Like, wow, they've been through that and now they understand this aspect of life in a way that I didn't even know was possible to understand it. Um, so that's I mean, it is it is a very deep uh, process. It takes time. You know, it takes that patience to get through it. But it's really about self-observation and self-exploration and saying like, oh, and and asking others like, hey, you know, Eric, you just told me the value that you got from today. So I get a sense of what my voice is and how I'm helping others. Ask others how you are helping them, how you are serving them. And you'll start to see similar words come back. You'll start to see, oh, you know, Jocelyn's very compassionate. Okay, she's helping me find my voice. Yes, okay, she's more like a catalyst to finding my voice. You'll start to see certain words come back when people describe your impact on them. And that is telling you what your value is, what your voice is. Does that help? Yeah, I love that. And I think that... As I, so the, I guess the, the lens that really resonated with me is um, coming from a lens of a supporter for um, a friend or, or someone with a disability and sharing perspectives, sharing your perspective with them to, to help them get a more clear picture, right? I was, and I like the visual that you gave in terms of driving through that dark tunnel, you know, you might have your headlights on in that tunnel driving through it, but as other people are able to give you different perspectives, that tunnel starts to, to fall away or, you know, there's holes through it um, and, and more light comes in and you can see more of the full picture and see more of what's around you see around corners. Um, so that really resonated with me. And I think that's a, that's a good message to share. Yeah. Like we're all individuals and we're all individual contributors to society. But by sharing that we become a tighter collective, right? There's so much disconnect in our world between races, religions, you know, political parties, whatever the case may be. So the more we contribute our perspectives, the more empathy and compassion we build and we become a tighter collective as a global society. So, Jocelyn, what is one thing that you would really like the listeners today to walk away with or, or think about or maybe even uh, an action that, that you would like them to take? 
I, I think just to make it really simple is that visual. So if you're if you're feeling like I'm so drained because I know I'm taking on all the emotional weight, the mental weight, the physical weight, you know, because we when we internalize emotions, we do internalize that on a physical level too, and it can affect us physically. So how do we help you know, provide that self-care while we're caring for others? So really, the next time you go to be with someone in your care, almost lean over and look the way they're looking. And in that instant, think of perspective taking, see the life through their eyes and realize that you are still standing in your own two shoes. So just take that practice with you. Next time you go to do that, lean in, look through the same, look in the same direction, try to be one with their perspective, but realize that you're standing in your own. Watch their movie. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So Jocelyn, how can folks connect with you? How can they learn more about you? How could they inquire about the services that you provide? Well, if you're looking to find your voice, share your perspective, share your personal story, that's definitely something I can support. And you can find me at jocelynduffy.com. It's J-O-S-C-E-L-Y-N-D-U-F-F-Y.com. Excellent. And... Feel free to pick up Jocelyn's book on Amazon, Unshakable to the Core. And that's not the only book that you've written, Jocelyn. So where can folks look at the other books that you've authored? There's a books link right on my website. Or if you want to go to Amazon um, uh, slash author slash Jocelyn Duffy, J-O-S-C-E-L-Y-N-D-U-F-F-Y, um, you'll find several books there. And there's another one called Gift of the Hit, Collected Stories, which maybe of interest to many people in there. And I know, uh, Eric, I connected you with Sheila Morrison and her stories in there. And it's such a beautiful story about supporting her daughter um, with a developmental disability. And um, so there's a diversity of story of in there, all people who have found that so-called gift within the hit. So the silver lining. Um, so if you really want a, a punch of inspiration, um, that's definitely a book to pick up. Mm -hmm. Inspiration, but also uh, change, resiliency, and purpose. Yeah, nuggets of wisdom, for exactly. sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today, Jocelyn. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, and we'll keep in touch. Thanks, great, great, great to be here, Ed. Thank you again to Jocelyn Duffy for coming on the podcast today. Uh, such a great conversation uh, for me, and I hope it was for you as well. Uh, Jocelyn really helped to get my uh, thinking clearer around the difference between empathy and compassion and how to be a more compassionate person myself. So hopefully you uh, got a little bit of that through uh, osmosis, through our conversation as well. And um, it leads you towards being a, a more compassionate uh, person, more compassionate towards yourself and more compassionate towards others that you serve. And I hope that there's maybe some great things in there for you around resiliency. Coming up next week on the podcast, we have guest Lynn Siegel. And Lynn is the executive director of an organization called Hope House. And Hope House uh, has gone through a pretty major transformation, uh, closing down their group homes and supporting individuals one person at a time to get their own, uh, to get a home of their own. And the interesting part of the, this uh change with Hope House is it was done well over 20 years ago. 
so I know a lot of organizations are thinking about doing this type of move today, but uh, Lynn shares her wisdom of what they went through and what they learned. So I think you'll enjoy that conversation next week. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Uh, if you like this episode and you think you know someone that would benefit, please share it with them. Uh, be a part of the change to think differently about disability. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit us at empoweringability.org for more podcasts and resources to help you and your loved ones impacted by disability build a full and meaningful life.